Welcome to The Athlete Diaries. I'm your host, Guy Walker. On this podcast, I take you through the journeys and challenges of professional athletes, from resilience to mental health and life away from sport. On the show today, we have Mark Visser, a man that has had few encounters with death. His family must be so nervous every single time he leaves the house. Mark is a big wave surfer, and when I mean big waves, it's the biggest waves you've ever seen. He's not only surfed them all, Nazari, Jaws, the middle of the ocean, but he's actually gone a step further. He's made training so hard that it makes surfing these big waves feel easy. He's an absolute nutter. To overcome the fear of sharks, he paddled into the middle of the ocean at night for four hours. He got a jet ski to drop him off in the braking zone of the world's biggest waves. And he's also jumped out of army planes with jet skis to surf the craziest waves in the world at night time. He did all of this just to prove to himself he can go that extra step and push himself out of his comfort zone. Not bad from a country boy from Wangaratta who was scared of water. What was so interesting about talking to Mark was his ability and understanding of his own mindset. He used all these crazy events in his life to learn how to deload stress and push past his comfort zones. He talks a lot about fear and how it's just something that we learn over our lifetime and how it holds us back. For me, it was so interesting to listen how we can overcome fear and learn to be in the moment. In one of Mark's operations, in the space of 30 seconds, he nearly lost his life three times and he suffered a sensory overload. What was incredible is he believes a sensory overload came from the stress he had building up beforehand instead of the near loss of life in the event. This is an amazing chat with an amazing person who has an incredible perspective on life and his thoughts and ideas on how to make people more resilient and able to push themselves further than they have ever believed. Mark Visser, welcome to The Athlete Diaries. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, what about the start of your journey? How, how did it end up um, becoming in, into a surfer, mate? What was the, what was the, the, the upbringing like for you and um, how did your journey start? Um, probably the least um, likely of a surfer that you could probably get, I'd say, as far as journeys go. Really? Um, I was born in country Victoria, um, yep. out near Wangaratta sort of area. Uh, and uh, when I was young, like three, I nearly drowned. Um, like I fell into a sheep's trough and uh, nearly cost me my life. I was eating a peach and <laughs> dropped it in there and went in after it. And uh, apparently I wouldn't go near a bath or anything for years. So um, Yeah, don't blame you. Yeah, so I was total um, opposite to what you'd think, but um, we moved to Queensland when I was about nine and then I didn't really even learn to swim properly until I was about ten. And then from there, um, that's where it all sort of started. But it was a very slow, slow start. And the, the process of getting into what I ended up getting into was um, one where I was confronted with my, my fears and that internal battle for, for a really long period. Wow, yeah. So how did you it, – it's funny because I've actually seen a couple of your videos as well. The amount of encounters you've nearly had with death is unbelievable so far in your life. <laughs> how do you deal with all that? Oh, yeah, there's definitely um, moments <laughs> where, uh, you know, loss of life was a real topic um, for sure. Um, how do you deal with it? I guess you deal with each experience in that in that moment um, and, you know, I didn't probably deal with them well to start with and, you know, growing up into even into my late teens when I was uh, successful in my sport, 
I was still afraid a lot of the time. I still struggled with a lot of those kind of fears and um, that anxiety of linking back to being a kid that, that nearly drowned. I was referencing those past experiences. So um, that probably made it worse for me. And then it became an area that I really wanted to focus on to the point where um, it became one of my greatest strengths. Um, I guess that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, because that's really interesting that you put it that way because so many pe- people, myself included as well, is that you do fear things and some people do fear things in, in their life and, and in work as well. How do you um, go about that? And is, is there anything that you can sort of give value to any listeners in, in helping them um, go about their fears? Um, I guess for me how I went about it was first suffering in fear <laughs> and um, like everyone <laughs> and experiencing that, that overwhelming feeling and then then it sort of moved into frustration of wanting to do what I do best what I love most um, the actual sport of surfing but being crippled by fear so being limited by you know um, pre-existing thoughts that weren't actually even happening so you know the thought of oh, if I get stuck here this will happen or you know I don't know if I want to put myself there you know, to experience something that could be great because of the fear of this potentially happening. So going through that whole thing was it really came from a drive of then going, well, this is my life, you know, and I want to experience life. And if I keep sitting on the fence thinking about the what ifs or, you know, being consumed by this fear, I'm never going to be able to enjoy what I'm doing. And so the pure frustration of that is what sort of made me just draw a line in the sand so to speak and say well what am I going to do here am I going to live this life where I'm being controlled by an external part of you know what's going on or am I going to take control of it so I started asking better questions within myself I guess and that's probably the best advice to give to others is you know what questions was it where was I asking And, and that's when I started to say well what can I do about this can I change this situation you know, how can I make this easier for myself? What would be the process of doing that? Um, so then that's exactly what I started to do. Like I started to literally um, recreate situations where I nearly lost my life in a controlled, safe environment and I brought in specific coaches to help me go through this process, almost like as if I was able to live life in a moment and press pause and then stop and have a rational conversation about this situation and go, okay, so if this happens, how could I get around this and what would happen here or I'm feeling anxious there, so how would I eliminate that? And I literally did that over and over and over to the point where I became so um, confident and, and good in those situations that I had essentially uh, eliminated high levels of stress and fear in my life. Yeah, it's interesting that you point out that as well because I was speaking on this show as well to, to young Will Bukowski and he was sort of – he's done a lot of um, work around uh, reading into the way our brain works as well and it's interesting that you bring up the point that we make stories up in our brains to almost protect us mm. um, and it's something that I never really thought about until I was actually started to think about it and I was like, well, you do, don't you? You, you start, to, start to say to yourself, all right, I'll make up this story for the future to protect what I'm feeling um, so yeah, that that's that's really interesting that you bring that point up. Um, how did you that's end up how, getting into that's surfing? Ego, essentially, yeah. like that's yeah. And and yeah. I never understood it from that perspective either because I thought our ego was the time that we say something to try and look cool or we carry on like like a tool to impress someone, right? I thought that was the ego, but there's two parts of the ego, and what you just described then 
is the second part of the ego where we make up a story to keep us safe and that's exactly what we do so the second section of our ego is is often stopping us from expanding to keep us in an environment where we feel like we're in control and we don't have to go outside our comfort zone and that's probably one of the most crippling parts of our ego that that does that to us yeah so would you say how how would you say that someone can get into that second part and get out of their comfort zone is it just by actually getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that you're not comfortable with um it's it's a like to answer that question entirely there's several steps or stages to that um how you would how you would get out of that situation if you were just to go and straight away put yourself in it could cause you massive overwhelmment to the point where you might shut down and not function um everyone's wired differently so you there's a process so there's definitely an element of that like a part of my training was i would drive jet skis in front of say a 40 foot close out and jump off the back of the jet ski and sit in front of it to practice what was going on knowing that i had you know um an inflation vest on underneath if i needed it you know i even started off making sure i had fins on and i had a rescue ski right beside me so going through that process and then to the point where you know i might sit in front of a 50 footer with no fins and just going okay how can i make this as real as possible but before i got to that point um it was really about sort of going within to understand what was really going on. Um, So understanding that we have, we're like an onion and then we have multiple layers and stripping back some of those, those layers, which, which I always sort of refer to as our armor. So we put up our armor to protect ourselves. Like you just said, whether it be a story, whether it be whatever it is, it's like a layer to protect ourselves from being hurt, humiliated, because essentially what we all want is to be able to be happy and loved. That's, that's what every human wants is to be able to feel loved, feel happy, feel supported. So we put up these barriers, armour, whatever you want to call it, to prevent ourselves from getting hurt or being unloved. So that's, that's the process. And you have to, when you understand that, you're like, okay, so you sift through all the bullshit, you get rid of all your stories, you drop off all your layers of armour, strip yourself back to be real, um, and once you're at that point, then you've got the best opportunity to learn because you try and teach someone that's in a state where they've got so many blocks up, they've got so many barriers of so much armour, it's really hard to actually help that person because they'll have all these stories like that they'll go to on default and um, it's going to be harder for them to break through, whereas if they can strip all that bullshit back and become open and raw and like you hear it all the time in football clubs now and across all sports we're talking about vulnerability and being vulnerable that's essentially a key to what's going on there is the layers of armor our barriers whatever we want to call it they're being stripped back so we can actually see ourselves for who we really are and when you can do that you can accept you so that comes back to then self-acceptance self-love like accepting you for who you are i always say it's like it's you're all that you are and you're all that you're not. When you can accept that, that's just when you're at peace. So that when you can accept, like we put expectation on ourselves to be a certain something and if we're like, well, you know what, I want to be there but I'm just not there yet, what happens to the body, it actually relaxes because you're like, well, I'm telling myself all these other stories and the fantasy of what I'm living, I'm really, I want to go there and I'm driven to get there and I'll do whatever it takes but the reality isn't matching up just yet. So that's like the part where you just almost have to take a step back and there's nothing wrong with 
asserting where you want to go and striving for your goals, there's a sometimes a misconception between these two stages. But when you can accept you for you, you take the pressure off or the tension off, which allows the layers of bullshit to come off to, to actually be vulnerable to what's happening where you can actually feel. Like essentially in all the training I do and that I teach people in, as soon as they can feel, and what I mean by feel is like, you have no bullshit layer up and you can you can respond to things quicker. As soon as you can actually be in that state, that's when you're at your most elite level of being able to perform yourself but also learn. And um, and that's, I, I don't know, I've probably gone way off topic what we talked about, but that's None at all. That's the part yeah. that, that really sort of counts and, and sort of is the most helpful to someone if they really want to make that shift. It is hard though, isn't it? Because you, especially in men, like men athletes, but men in society as well, that's probably the hardest thing to possibly do, isn't it? To be vulnerable and, and yeah. to actually, yeah, pull back your layers and say, you know what, like this is, I accept. And the other thing as well is acceptance, isn't it? To go that actually this is what it is and if I want to change it, I have to strip these layers back. Yeah. Well, it seemed to be, really um, no weakness, it seemed to be um, like, yeah unmacho you know like because as <laughs> as young men we want to be strong we want to project um, an element of strength and to do that would would seem like we're not but in a sense of you know from my understanding of things the ultimate warrior is what they call the free spirit is the person that is armorless is totally not afraid of whatever's coming but takes it all on like if you can if you have to deal with someone like that that's a psycho and that person will annihilate you because they have no fear and you see it in all sports you see yeah. it in football you see it in you know so many different areas of sports where that one person they're not trying to control a situation they're just there and it's like no one can tackle that person. They just happen to just dance around the play and they're free you know and that's that's the ultimate warrior really and when you can play in that space like that's your most elite kind of state I think um that's what I always like refer to as that's when you're your brightest light <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah it's interesting isn't it um how did how did a, a boy from Wangaratta how did how did he go from um getting on getting into surfing getting onto uh, the world qualifying tour and then end up surfing some of the biggest waves known to mankind well, I, I actually didn't get on to the world. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. I was I was on the world qualifying series, which is yeah. which is just below the world championship tour. Uh, yep. So yeah, I never made the the big the big time, so to speak. And that's why I ended up um, pursuing the big wave side of things because when I competed in all the events in the lead up on the world championship. Um, qualifying series I was always like in it's called the QS so when I was on the QS I just tended to do really bad when it was small like when the surf was small which I should have been better at because I was more timid in a sense but I was essentially trying to prove to myself that I wasn't afraid anymore which I didn't understand at the time but I was always getting better results in bigger locations like Chopu, Pipeline, um, Margaret River, those sort of spots were all the bigger wave sort of spots. And, and when I look back at my results, I always had the, the better results there. And um, I didn't realise it at the time, like I was saying, but I was really trying to prove yeah. to that inner child that, hey, you're not afraid anymore. But um, it just sort of happened that way and um, that's how I ended up kind of deciding to leave the, the World uh, Qualifying Series and, 
and just purely focus on the big wave side of things because the passion for me was so high there. So it was really about just yeah. focusing on what I was most passionate about. And as soon as I did that, like I went from being in the queue which is the, like I said the qualifying series and you know you, you make it to the final day which was might be the round of 96 so you started off at 300 guys and then you've got down to the round of 96 and well then you get to the round of 64 and that was a good result for me I remember going oh that was a good event you know but then yeah. the wave scene in my first year I was runner-up so really? it was like it was interesting like one it was like I was going against the flow, so to speak, and then as soon as I changed to the other side, things progressed really, really quick, um, and it just felt so much more natural for me. So, uh, but I was scared the whole time, but it was like, yeah. it just felt like that's where I needed to be. It's incredible, isn't it? Because you went from a three-year-old boy that nearly drowned and yep. and had that fear of water to literally surfing what like fifty-foot waves, or how how big were they? Oh, the biggest I've ridden so far is about seventy foot, um, <laughs> and just. Like That's cons- nuts. consistently surfing, you know, you, the average swell. I wouldn't even leave to to go to a swell unless it was like a minimum of thirty foot. Like if it wasn't going to be bigger than thirty foot, it was like, oh, there's no point going. It's not even going to be like that was considered not even big enough. Um, so on average, you're, you're sort of in that the middle bracket, and sometimes there was days that were bigger, and then it sort of progressed from um, towing into these waves to just mainly paddling in, which is. Worked out better for for me because um, if you're most of the best towing waves were in locations that weren't Australia, so that was uh, yeah. you know Hawaii, um, Nazare, and if you didn't have that many jet skis set up in all these different places, it was super tricky. So when it sort of changed to just paddling in, um, the odds of getting good waves were in my favour, or more in my favour than they were of being towed in because. When you're towing in, you're working with a, a group, and you're normally the third wheel in the group. Um, so that's a, that was a, kind of a good transition. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen Nazare, do yourself a favour and go and have a look at it. Like some of the waves there, they just—it doesn't even look real. It looks, it looks, it, it looks like it's on fantasy. It looks looks like it's on Photoshop or something like that. It's it's unbelievable. I hope you're loving this episode so far. Mark has an amazing story and he has been helping others with stress and fear for years with his program, The Elite Mindset. Mark has been very generous in sharing the first part of the course for free for all listeners. It's a four-part course that helps you understand mindset and decluttering stress. I'll leave a link in the description if you want to check it out. If you love it and want the rest of the course, it's $49. It's completely up to you, but the first part is free, so go and see if you like it. I did it and also did the full course that Mark and his team offers and I can say it helped me a lot with being able to understand how to deal with stress, being able to be in the moment and also understanding how to deal with my fears. I'll never promote something that I don't believe in. This is something that I would recommend to anyone. Do the free course and see how you go. I'm sure you'll love it. So how did you... um, How did you go into them big wave surf competitions and then you end up changing to go into Operation Deep Blue as well. So yep. first of all, the first question is how long did you stay in them in the big wave surfing until you actually went, all right, I want to go and surf even bigger waves than this? Um, I was probably chasing that that um, side of things for about four years of just wanting to surf every single big wave spot there was in the world and yep. um, just get better and better and better at it. 
Um, so essentially I was like a runner-up in the Big Wave Awards for three years in a row and then I ended up winning um, the Big um, Wave Paddling event. Um, but yeah. in that process, after surfing all those waves, I was kind of like, and I really started to feel like I was enjoying that process and, and this, I was having success in that space. But I really started to kind of go, well, what else could I do if I really put my mind to it? Like if I really went and put everything into it, what else could I do? Really just trying to focus on what could I do if I really put my mind to it? And then I started to have like, you know, random ideas suggested to me and then I turned them into kind of my own. And um, one of them was to, to ride um, Piahi or Jaws which is in Hawaii at night and that was like a really big test for me to see. Like I think I was so drawn to that because I was still questioning myself whether I still was a little bit afraid. Even though I'd surfed these huge waves, I was just wanting to put it, you know, beyond a shadow of doubt that I had conquered that within myself and I was like that would be the ultimate test. So after doing that project um, and, and successfully coming away from it, I was like, wow, I didn't think that was possible if that was what else is and that sort of led to the next one that I'm working on now, which is uh, Operation Deep Blue that you mentioned. Yeah, okay. Um, stripping it back from that, how how has a bloke that, that was fearful of some waves ended up, are you still scared of surfing these big waves or is there a process now that you go through where you're not, where you can help yourself in, in that? still fear um feel fear every time um you'll experience it the night before the lead up to it um but i know how to use it to my advantage now that's the difference and i think if i ever didn't feel fear i'd probably be more concerned about that because um i use it to my advantage and i know by feeling fear um, my awareness levels are really high. You know, my ability to focus on something is quite intensely focused, like zeroed in. So um, I use it to my advantage, but I know how to control yep. my physical body in the process. So I don't, I feel fear, but I don't allow myself to be overcome by fear. So I use okay. the fear, the adrenaline that comes with that um, to my advantage when I need it, but I also make sure I can put my body in a physical state that can operate at the highest level, can think at the highest level. Uh, and there's ways to sort of do that. Yeah, mate, it's, it's incredible. Cause I was even watching, um, that YouTube video, you before surfing Jaws at night. And again, people that haven't seen it, Jaws is in Hawaii and it is like astronomical how big the waves are there and mark surfed it at night and you can literally all you can see is you with your little headlamp on and you're surfing what like 40 50 foot waves with a little headlamp on like what made you want to do that and is there something deep within you that just wants to keep proving people wrong and proving almost yourself wrong it was proving to myself for sure i think when you're trying to prove things to other people um sort of the the wrong way to go about it it's kind of um there's not as much power behind that you know because you're going to forever be trying to prove things to other people and it's not their life that um that you're proving things to you know like the process (laughs) of someone wanting to do something for them versus someone else um there's there's meaning to it whereas if i'm constantly doing something for others um you know trying to prove it to others that's just going to be a constant up and down energy energyless kind of process so i think it was yeah. really um being clear about um why i want to do it and for me personally it was absolutely to prove to myself that i wasn't afraid anymore and um there was so much 
connected to that all the way back to that childhood experience. Um, and that was like the absolute driving force um, to the point where we could have walked away from that project several times, but the drive for me to want to do that was just so strong. And initially I was like, just I just want to catch one wave. If I can catch one wave, just let me get that one wave. And then as soon as I got one, I was like, just get one more. And then it got to the point where I'd ridden 14 waves that night and then the, the support helicopter up above is like, we're out of fuel, we've got to go, you got to get out of the water. So, But I just wanted to um, give myself that opportunity to be the best I could be 14. and to prove to myself when things got tough, I can keep going. Yeah. And, uh, and that, as soon as that experience happened, it was like, shit, I've gone to the point where I've nearly, you know, put my life on the line just to prove that I'm worthy of this because um, that's what I realised. I, like, I was just trying to prove to myself that I was, I was worthy of self-love and all those kind of things I talked about earlier. So it was crazy when I look back on it and think, you know, did I need to nearly kill myself to actually have these these feelings and it was like obviously not so that's why I became really passionate about teaching and helping other people to prevent them from nearly killing themselves <laughs> one thing that just keeps coming up in my mind how on earth do you come back with these stories to your family and how are they even letting you go out and do this <laughs> uh, yeah it's a really good question the preparation and training that goes into what I do like yeah um, is second to none. And um, we think about, and when I say we, it's definitely not just myself. You know, I'd bring in a lot of other people um, that I really trust and value their opinions yeah. and a lot of different experts to look at things from multi-angles, you know, to make sure that um, I'm really seeing the bigger picture. And the training I do for me is often 20 times harder than the actual experience. And I do it that way to limit the fear because yep. fear of the unknown is so strong and when you have that and especially um, when you're doing something that's like that event was like a world first event and no one had ever done it and everyone said it was impossible and then once it's done then everyone goes oh yeah that's pretty easy I, I could go do that you know but when you're the first cab off the rank and there's no yep. answers to general solutions and things like that and you've got to take an educated guess um, the way you get through that is preparing above and beyond and that's that's actually what I had to do was just go to the next level of that and um, the stuff that I did was full on like I had these paddles where I paddled like 27 k's out to sea and I started at nine o'clock at night and because I was afraid of sharks and being in the dark so I wanted to eliminate all the fears that I had and so I put myself in the situations to go okay well what would that actually feel like versus on the night happened to be overwhelmed with that thought, these other thoughts. So I just wanted to eliminate them all. So I, yeah, I went to the point of like paddling this thing for like four and a half hours and just constantly at night, at night. Yeah. Just shitting myself every time like bait fish would skip out in front of you. And then you'd be thinking there's this fin just trailing behind you and you can't see. And so all these emotions and, um, you know, feelings of overwhelmment were just flooding me and it was it was just really about going through the process. And so after two hours of constantly feeling like you're that guy on operation where everything's just getting attacked and, you you know, every part of your body is just buzzing from that, you know, that kind of scenario, um, I calmed down and then I could actually see shadows within shadows and then I could actually yeah. realise, I was like, this is the exact same as the day. The lights are just out. There's like, you know, I really started to understand it from a level that I wouldn't have. 
And then after that, you'd think that'd be enough. But like I said, having a group of, um, you know, individuals from all sorts of areas, they're like, okay, cool. Well, you're comfortable on top of the water, but are you comfortable underwater at night? So then they drove me out to like a shipwreck that was 5Ks offshore and 100 foot deep. And they're like, practice free diving down that to 100 foot where you know there's sharks that are going around that, um, no, that, that shipwreck. Like practice see if you can deal with that. So that was another thing that, that that made me actually do to help me get through that process. And then um, oh, the, then another time I was blindfolded and put in an underwater obstacle course and then I was taught that if I blew a bubble and it went down my face that I was upside down and to rotate around and that was the direction up. So, like, the process I went through, like, it was just there were just so many challenges that I had done that really just helped me eliminate fear because if someone said what if this happened I was like I could almost smile and go well I've done this and everyone would go holy shit you did that like is it is in my training and preparation for it so um then even then it was super overwhelming on the night to look up and see stars and then all of a sudden the stars disappeared because that wave was stacking up in front of it um, so that was so intense to the point where I literally remember my eyeballs pulsing at the beat of my heart. So if you could imagine if I hadn't have prepared for all those other things, plus I still had the intensity of my eyeballs pulsing with my heart from just seeing the sky get engulfed by a giant wave in front of it and the stars disappearing, the overwhelming of fear would have wiped me out. There's no way I could have been able to rationally concentrate because there would have been too many things that were stacking up and um, kind of I refer to this as like your, your bag that you carry. Like, you know, we all have a bag of stress that we load up and um, every day, you know, you might have an argument with someone or you might have an experience that you're frustrated about and you just put a bit of weight in that bag and you carry that bag around. So if I hadn't have done all that stuff, my bag of, of shit is what I refer to it as would have been so full that the next major event would have triggered a total brain fry for sure. And that had that actually happened to me later on in a different experience where I, I literally had a sensory overload and my mind couldn't process anything. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that was another experience really? that happened a- after this project. Well, was that that one I was having a look as well? I'm not sure which operation this one was, but the one in the middle of the ocean, yeah. I've, I've seen it quite a few times how... In the middle of the ocean, there's these massive. Because I'm I'm an avid surfer when I didn't have a shoulder, a bad shoulder. But I'm I'm I say I'm better than I was. But I'm still so scared. If I go down to Torquay and it's like four foot, I'm like, <laughs> geez, boys, this is this is getting a little bit big for me now. Let's just go get a coffee. So yeah, yeah. Like I've seen these documentaries of how big the waves are in the middle of the ocean. What is it like? And you actually had to jump out of a helicopter or jump out of that massive no, plane, plane to just yeah, get, to get there. a parachute. That was the process. Was, um, so I kind of figured, okay, the biggest wave ridden so far is like 80 foot and that's at Nazare. And prior to that, it was like 70-something foot at um, Piahi, which is Jaws in Maui. And, um, yep. and I went, well, there's got to be bigger ones somewhere else. And so I worked with some Navy guys and some other individuals to help find where these waves that are bigger than, you know, um, 80 foot are. And so I was able to find it, but the trouble was they're in the middle of nowhere. So if you drive a yep. boat out to them, you could be halfway out, like it's a four-day boat trip, and then the conditions change and you've got to keep turning the boat around. Whereas, And they kind of laughed at me and said, oh, you'd never really get there in time. The only way you'd be able to do it is if you fly to 
like flew a military plane in and then parachuted all his stuff out. That would be the only way he could actually do it and kind of laughed at me and walked off. And then I was sitting in this room and I looked at some of the other guys. I was like, I guess we've got to figure out how to actually do that. <laughs> and that's what we did and that's <laughs> where I had the, the that sensory overload that I was talking about. I had an experience yeah. where we were doing the training drills for that and on that particular one, the static line snaps. The static line is a thing that you see people hook up to and they run and jump out of a plane and their parachutes open. Um, yep. We didn't have the luxury of being able to static line out. We all had to learn how to free fall ourselves, but the jet ski was static lined out. And when it went out, um, it was a series of events that nearly happened. One, it nearly <clears throat> the parachute nearly opened in my face and would have killed me, and I nearly slid out the back of the plane and went into that. So that was that was a pretty intense kind of thing. And then the second thing that happened straight away was the, the static line cable snapped and the carabiner went and nearly scalped me. It's like a, a big steel hook. And um, there's video footage of it, but it literally nearly cut my head clean open. And I'd kind of gone like that when it was already back there So because it happened just so fast. And, it, um, yeah. and then when I jumped out of the plane, because every second you go behind the, the plane, like the 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 cargo is moving further and further away because you're flying at 750 k's an hour uh, and that's as slow as like a Hercules can slow down to. So that's literally it just hanging in the air before it's going to drop out. And Yeah, so then I had to go out and then my parachute rises, they were locked in a hard turn and it was just a series of things that happened but I would have been okay with them all. They were all scary but I would have been able to shake them all off but prior to that I was heavily overloaded with dealing with other external things like yeah. production staff and dealing with meetings that I probably shouldn't have been involved in or, or should have been excused from. And literally I was looking out at a team that is directly below me with colourful parachutes everywhere and I couldn't see anyone. I was just like, and I had a two-way connected to my to my headset and stuff and they're like, um, okay, can you see the guys below you? I'm like, no. Nah. I can't see anyone. Like we're all directly below you. And you look at the footage and you can see literally like a fluoro orange thing flying out of the sky, a bright yellow parachute, a black and white one. And I'm in the middle just going, no, no, I can't see anyone. I don't know where anyone is. And what had happened was my mind had had a sensory overload and it's a buildup of like extreme events which can cause you to literally be talking to someone and it's like they vanish and your mind can't process that they're actually there. And then it, it's and it was wow. just like it's, it comes from being overloaded. So like it's like in life, everyday life, all of us can experience bits of stress and we constantly carry it around. But unless we're unpacking that, unless we're emptying yeah. that bag of shit, it will get to the point where if a significant event happens, and in my case three in a row, that could cause you to have like a mental a mental surge, so to speak. And you, you hear about it, wow. you know, in the business world, you hear about it in all sorts of different practices where people just have that experience happen, happen and, and they often refer it to one thing and people would say to me, oh, it's because you nearly died when you went out in the back of the parachutes and, oh, no, it's because the cable nearly cut your head off. And I was like, no, it was neither of those. And it wasn't the parachute locking up either. It was the fact that I was so built up with shit prior to that that I, I couldn't think clearly to process. Like, you know, I processed that information, but the third one was enough, which was the easiest one too. To clear the lines yeah. was easy, but that's that was enough just to send me over the edge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is, it's a great point, isn't it? Because it's a great point just because all of us do it, don't we? We, yeah. we? we carry around that bag of shit and we carry around stress all the time. So 
being able to actually deload that is actually a great skill that not many people have. So mm. that brings me on to onto what you do now with the training. And I was lucky enough to to be a part of it a couple of years ago. Um, your underwater training and oh, yeah. how do you? So what are you doing now? So you're trying to help people overcome fear, get rid of stress. Um, what else? What else are you doing at the moment? Yeah, it's mainly that. So initially, it started off with I was working for. Um, helping guys in the SAS and then um, Navy SEAL guys in underwater sections of how they can be more efficient, minimise fear, that kind of process, Um, just to be better at their actual craft. And then from there it led to it didn't have to be water people. Then it was like, um, like so for yourself, uh, it was a scenario to give someone a real-life example of how we might be trying to do one task yet we're thinking about the second and third when really we need to be able to stay in the first till that's finished. Yep. Um, so that's sort of what that was. But then, you know, the bigger the program got, um, like I ended up now where I work for companies in America that, you know, have a turnover like $4 billion a year and their tech groups and a lot of them like, we don't want to go on the pool. You know, we don't want to do the crazy shit that you're going to make us do. <laughs> so I've developed a program that's, really for everyone to help them minimize stress, help them minimize anxiety, help them minimize fear, you know, because fear comes from somewhere, you know, it's a past experience that taught us fear. We, we, we had to actually learn fear. So essentially going through life, we also have to unlearn it. So like you you see a a baby or whatever, a one-year-old kid, they'll just walk up to the end of the bench and they'll just happily swan dive off, you know, unless you run over and go, don't do that. You know, so you're teaching them that process. So as adults, we have to have to learn, unlearn that that process as well. So um, we're really just teaching people how to operate at their best, like how to function at their absolute highest, um, whether it be just from a business point of view or an everyday life point of view. Um, and really the other main thing is teaching um, people how to win on all levels versus winning at all costs and and what i mean by that is like we might be very successful in our professional career but then our um you know personal life is suffering because of it so that would be what i'd refer to as winning at all costs so you just want to yep. you just want to win but you don't care what burns and explodes in the process whereas winning on all levels is making sure that you're still connecting to your partner you're still being there yep. for your kids or you're being a a son to your mother and father or a brother to your sisters or a friend to your mates, whatever that is, um, you know, just there's multiple areas in our life and making sure that you're, you're whole and you're actually living your life uh, in all those aspects. And that actually gives you more energy and allows you to do what you do best anyway. But there's a process of how you can arrive at your professional um, place of work, whether it be sporting athlete or a you know a business person, and 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 turn up there and be the best you can be, and then also a similar process of how you can leave that there and then come into a personal environment and show up and be the best you can be there too. Because a lot of us bring what's happening at work to home, um, yeah, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges. So um, that's something that we're really just helping people with that process and um, we've created all sorts of different online programs that kind of help people do that and, um, yeah, it's really cool it's because essentially I was learning them. I was learning how I was constantly shitting myself in the water and then I saw, okay, I'm shitting myself in the air, you know, with these parachuting things and then I'm like, it's the same and I could really identify the process and then I started to understand it to the point where I was like, 
it's the exact same. And then, you know, I, I work with like um, kinesiologists and in that space for nearly 20 years now. And I went and worked with this um, lady in Ubud in the forest in Bali just to understand how the mind works from an energetic point of view, um, just because I wanted to help people. But you find sometimes some teachers, when they teach these kind of things, it's so scientific that it's really hard to actually understand and implement into your everyday life. So I wanted yeah. to be able to be simple, maybe just because I'm a very simple guy. So I needed, I needed <laughs> to be have a really good understanding so I could understand it myself, but just teach it in a way that people go, yeah, okay, I get that without it. You know, without me trying to sound like a professor and going, I don't really care if you don't get it as long as I look cool. Like, you know, it's yeah. the opposite of that. We're like, whatever, let's just make it as easy for people to digest and help them the best way we can. Yeah, because we're, we're kind of living uh, examples of that. Like I, I can still remember the night before we were coming to to your um, your. I think it was a, a pool or something we went to, but yeah. we all looked at the videos the night before of what we were going to do and it was like, if you've, if you've seen the videos of people getting spun around in a pool and it's almost like SAS training, we saw all that and straight away we're all like like AFL players there and we're, we're all like cacking ourselves. Like we were shitting ourselves. So we were like, oh, no, here we go. So we all came with that fear. But as soon as you started speaking and sort of just um, helped us almost take a breath and go eradicate them fears and that we can actually get through it. And it's almost like life in general, isn't it, how – you can get through a lot more things than you think you can until you've actually done them. So mm-hmm. I can still remember it. We, I think most of us, we probably held our breath underwater for 15 seconds at the start or 20 seconds and we were swimming. And then at the end of the session, we were literally holding our breath for a minute and a half and mm-hmm. some boys were doing even longer than that. Like yeah. it was just – and then we all left the session as in like, jeez, we were all like real scared of that. But then we came out of it and we're like – I feel like some of the boys are like, I reckon I could hold my breath underwater for five minutes after doing that. It was incredible. <laughs> That's when the ego kicks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate. No, that I'm was teasing. That, I'm only teasing. But yeah. no. You, you, no, yeah. it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're dead right. And it was the process that you guys took. And then um, you were living in fear. So you were living in an expectation. And then what we did on purpose was brought you back to that moment and we gave you an experience to allow you to go through the process and see for yourself how it was manageable and um yeah it was, it was actually really inspiring that course because there was like 65 of you guys and every yeah. single person um like not only tripled their their time underwater but you you all did it with half the heart rate as well which was the most impressive yeah. which showed yeah, us, that was incredible yeah because it showed us that your fear response was right, right down. And that was the coolest thing because you guys were all coming up calm, relaxed, where prior to that you were down for 15 seconds, puff, heart yeah. rate was like 140, 100, you know, it was super high. And then those yeah. guys at the end that were coming up that had done something five times as hard and that some of them had a heart rate of 60 beats and we were just like, is this person even alive? Like they were so calm, relaxed. Yeah. So it was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Mate, that, that, yeah, that, that was incredible and like it just shows you, doesn't it, that if you do put some things into place, like you actually can eradicate them fears and you can actually settle yourself down and that's, that's half the battle, isn't it, to when you are in a stressful situation, you're almost like tense up and you, you try to get through it but it's, it's not really, you're not really at your best. So yeah. it, it really showed me firsthand the training that you do um, really does help. So um, yeah, mate. I just wanted to say um, thank you for coming on. I'll, I'll also, as well as I'll, I'll link that um, the program down in the description for anyone looking to um, 
any uh, anyone looking to sort of have a look at um, what Mark does and the course that he runs? And is there anything that that you wanted to add um, with that course, or um, what people, how people can best access it, or what you think they should do to to do it? Um, not really. I think um, I'll, I'll get get a link, and you can put a link there that can help them. And we'll yeah. have a part that um, we'll give away for free. You know um, that they can watch. Um, and it can it will have the actual tools of what to do and some of the things that we've talked about um, for free totally there that they can just do and um, you know if they want to access the other stuff that's cool but if they want just the free stuff um, there is like four video sections in there that are awesome and they go through that exact process of unpacking that that bag of stress that we carry around all day and how to take that not only um, through our uh, professional life but into our personal life. So, um, yeah, even just access that and I think it will be a, a massive help and um, I just uh, want to thank you for having me on and I wish everyone the absolute best and, um, yeah, cheers. I absolutely love being able to speak to Mark. Something I'm really curious about in athletes is the mindset they have and how it varies from sport to sport. I've never spoken to anyone like Mark. His ability to take himself into seriously dangerous events and be able to remain calm is something I struggle to understand. Fear is actually something we can understand and overcome, which I never truly understood. I used to make stories up in my head and stay in my comfort zone. Taking Mark's course was something that opened my eyes in the space, and I've been able to have a different mindset in my everyday life. The link to his free course is in the description, and the link to the full course is also there if you want it. Take the free course and see if it impacts you. Have a great week, guys.